Good morning. Uh, it is good to be with you this morning in your homes as the church gathers together. Uh, and thank you very much to our uh, musicians, to Carrie and, and her crowd there, and to the Martins. Uh, they've just done such a good job of providing some really good music for us uh, during this time. And we just really appreciate the effort that goes into that. Because as you saw from the bloopers last week, it, it can be really challenging sometimes. So thank you so much uh, to them uh, as well. Well, this morning we're going to kick off a new teaching series that we're calling A New Hope, Overcoming Your Past and Embracing God's Future. And I'll be honest, I had a different sermon series planned for this time and then kind of COVID-19 hit. Uh, and it just seemed like the Lord was leading me to talk about hope. Uh, because hope's a really powerful kind of idea in Scripture. Uh, and, and it's different in the New Testament than the Old Testament. And so uh, for the next number of weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about this new hope uh, that we have in Jesus Christ. And, and the key word there in many ways is new. Uh, the, the new thing that has come in, in Christ. The old is gone, the, the new has come. And, and the best way I think I can get at kind of expressing to you what the new means in this is kind of when we look at technology. Technology. Uh, when we look at technology, very often you see that, that technology revolutionizes the world. And I don't just mean recently with, with the latest kinds of things, but, but historically it, it just is, it's changed the world in so many ways. You think back even a few hundred years ago, and really the only way people could get around was by a horse, you know, or maybe an oxen drawing a wagon. And uh, I've been kind of watching some History Channel stuff about America, the story of us, and, and you know, these people that are going with wagon trains across the country to get to the, to the West Coast, and it, it takes months, and people die, and, you know, there's all these hardships. And, and, and then along came this thing called the train, and the, the train just revolutionized the world. And all of a sudden, what was a very long and very dangerous trip getting from, you know, say maybe the Midwest to the, to the West Coast, all of a sudden could be done in a, in a few days and done pretty safely and goods could travel back and forth. The train just revolutionized travel, you know, and then came the car and all of a sudden with the car, it, it, it kind of revolutionized the way we live because you didn't have to live within walking distance or riding distance of where you work. Now you could live other places. Now, some of us may think that's a bit of a curse because we live in a kind of a bedroom community and some of you drive, you know, uh, 10, 15, 20, 30 miles from, from where you actually go to work. But before the car, you wouldn't even think about something like that. It still takes you a couple of hours in Seattle traffic, but, but you can do it. You can uh, do that way. Uh, another one that I think about um, is, is the typewriter. Uh, before the typewriter, people had to write everything out longhand. And, and eventually the printing press came around, which, which revolutionized the world because now you could send information out all over the world and people could be educated uh, and could learn to read, all those sorts of things. But then the typewriter meant that we individually could do that and you could go much, much faster. And it's, it's kind of personal to me because my mom, uh, before she became a nurse, she was a secretary and she could type really, really fast, which was helpful when I was in high school. She could type up my papers, those kinds of things. Uh, but, but one of her prized possessions was a portable typewriter she had gotten just before she went off to college. And it was like the newest, latest, greatest thing, this portable. And by that, I mean this big old heavy thing that had a, a piece over the top, but it was a lower profile. And, and so she took that with college, typed all of her stuff in college. And it was so important to her that she brought it long into her life. I don't know what happened to it, but even in her old age, I remember seeing it around there. And because it, it just revolutionized how 
how things work. And so um, I, I want to kind of challenge you right now. Uh, there are other technologies that have, ch that have changed the world. So if you can think of a technology that changed the world, would you uh, make a comment on our, on our video stream here and just tell us what it is real quick? It'd just be kind of fun to see all the different things that have uh, changed the world in one way or, or another and just kind of put it in the comments section. Um, but then, in addition to that, here's what I know about that. Uh, when a truly revolutionary technology comes along, suddenly the old thing looks old, right? It, it, it just, it looks like it, uh, why would anyone do that? I mean, why would you travel by wagon train from Washington to Missouri? You, you wouldn't do that. That just looks really old all of a sudden. Uh, typewriter, you know, that typewriter that my mom valued so much, eventually word processors came along and, and it, it made those things obsolete. It became kind of an antique and a, a symbol. And in fact, a couple of years ago, I was in a, I was in a museum and there was, uh, not my mom's, but the exact copy of my mom's typewriter writer and uh, you know kids are looking at it going like what's that for why would you do that you know and it, it just it all of a sudden it looks old and it, it's just not the way uh, it would have been it's, it's kind of like why in the world would you do that like that you know just show you show your children uh, a, a wired phone a phone that goes on the wall remember those you know and and rotary phones and all of those those kinds of things it looks old and so um, new technology not only makes the old thing look old it changes what is possible, and this is important before we get to the scripture text, okay? All of a sudden now, we can do long distance trips because of trains and cars and nowadays airplanes. I mean, we, we just don't even think of it as, as unusual to get into an airplane and go all the way to the East Coast. And a number of years ago, I, I remember uh, flying from Washington to, to Florida, which is kitty corner. It's a long way. And, and I, I remember complaining that it was a long flight, you know. It's like, oh, I'm so persecuted because I have to be six hours in an airplane, you know. And I literally moved all the way across a, a continent, you know. It just, it made all kinds of things possible, uh, you know, where we live, all of those sorts of things that are possible because, um, because of technology. So here's what, how that wraps up into the spiritual realm. On Easter Sunday morning, the spiritual realm was revolutionized by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. On Easter Sunday morning, the spiritual realm was revolutionized by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead the dead. The old covenant, the old thing, the old way of doing it had now been fulfilled and the new thing has come. And so the question becomes immediately, what does that look like? And if you read the New Testament, especially the, the pastoral letters and into the book of Acts, they were struggling with that. They were struggling with, well, there's this old covenant and there's this new covenant and, and is the new covenant just kind of a, a part of the old covenant so everybody needs to keep the law and then this other stuff too? Or is the new covenant a whole new thing, you know? And they're certainly related, but, but they seem to be very different in, in so many ways. And so that was a, that was a struggle for them. And so um, the, the resurrection of Jesus, though, is this. It is our new hope. It's the new hope that we have in him. And the, the old has been fulfilled, and now there is this new thing. And, it, and they're related because they're spiritual, but in some ways they're very, very different. In the same sense that a typewriter is very different from a, a word, po, uh, word processor. Uh, and so with, with the new covenant, with the resurrection, with the new hope, say new hope. 
with the new hope, there were new possibilities. It wasn't just that we did the old thing better. It was it could be do, done in all kinds of new ways. One of the great things about a word processor is you got, you know, uh, you can do spell check, which was a lifesaver for me. And you can move paragraphs around and you can change in the middle. I, I remember my mom having whiteout with her typewriter and kind of, you know, it's just a new thing that happened. And, and the truth of the matter is you can't fit the new thing back into the old thing into the old box. In fact, Jesus talked about this when he talked about putting, you know, new wine into new wine skins, not putting new wine into old wine skins. And he talked about you don't put new cloth on old broken down cloth. And, and, and so he was saying, what he was saying in that moment was this is a truly new thing. And, and you need to think about it in, in new ways. There are new possibilities uh, that are a part of this. And so um, I, I want to take just a minute and kind of dig in a little bit here. Uh, this idea of hope. We've talked about this a little before, but the Greek word for hopes is el peace. Say el peace. Uh, and, and it's an important that we get to el, el peace uh, because unfortunately the English word hope that is translated from el peace, uh, it, it's really not in some ways similar to, to the Greek word. The Greek word is very different. The English word, when we talk about hope, we, it tends to be tentative. Uh, it tends to be uncertain or, or hesitant or unsure or provisional. You know, I, I, I hope I get the promotion or I, I hope we, when we use that word, we're not very confident about the outcome. We're just kind of hoping it will work out. But the Greek word, el peace, from which we get the English word hope, actually is, is, is different in many ways. It's actually about expectation. I'm expecting this to happen. I'm looking forward to this to happen. Uh, it, it has the idea of trust or, or confidence or anticipation. Uh, anticipation, I think, is a really good word for this. That there's not this sense of uncertainty that there is in the English word hope. It, it's mostly a time word. It, the, the thing is going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. Uh, and, and so um, I, I want us to get a hold of this, of anticipation. Uh, so say anticipation. Anticipation is L peace. El peace is anticipation, which we translate hope, because we're going to do a whole series on this, so we may talk about this some more. And so the, the, the analogy I make is, it's like saying, I hope the sun will come up tomorrow. So in English, that sounds kind of weird because the sun always comes up and it's not likely that this, you know, the earth will stop spinning so the sun won't come up. We, we just expect the sun will come up. We anticipate the sun coming up. We don't worry about it. We don't, there's no uncertainty or hesitancy uh, about that. And so um, that, that, that is El Peace. I hope the sun will come up. Or for me, I remember we would travel to my grandma's house for holidays, and, and, and I, I was looking forward to, to all the good things that would happen about welcoming grandma and the hug and, you know, all that kind of stuff that was a part of it. I LP'd getting to grandma's house. I, I hoped for it, but it wasn't like it wasn't going to happen. It was just I was waiting for it to happen. Um, and so uh, LP's is, is more about timing than it is about uncertainty. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. And, and here's the truth in, in LP's. God's hope is a sure thing. It is absolutely going to happen. So let's look at our scripture. First uh, Peter 1, 3 through 8 uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, flip over there. First uh, Peter um, and, I, and I just, I love this, this passage uh, of Scripture. It, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's an important line. In His great mercy, and that word, the word for mercy there is actually means covenant love. Uh, in the covenant that He's made for us. Uh, and so they've combined kind of relational language, Father, and covenant language, mercy. He has given us a new birth 
into a living hope, okay, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have this new thing, this new birth, and this living hope. And so a uh, living hope is an, an important thing. Uh, and, and the reason for that is the word for living there is, is, is a super important word. And we've talked about this, but, but in Greek there are uh, several words for life. Uh, there's one that kind of means just alive, like grass is alive. There's one that involves some sort of thinking, like a dog or a cat or a pet. They have their, they're a step above that. And then, then the, the word that this one is, uh, it carries this, uh, it's, it's zoe, and it carries the idea of spiritual life, of something bigger, the wholeness uh, of what this is, uh, or soul life, zoe, spiritual life or soul life. Um, and and uh, our hope, <laughs> this living hope, is a spiritual hope. And, and by the way, each one of those words encompasses the things below it as well, right? So if a dog also has life like grass has life, but grass doesn't have life like a dog has life. And, and a human being has life like a dog has life, but, but a dog doesn't life doesn't necessarily have you know, life like we have a life, doesn't have a, a soul, isn't morally uh, culpable or morally able to make good choices. And so um, it's, it, the, the, the living hope we have is a spiritual hope. It's, it's alive. It's, it's dynamic. Um, it's interwoven. It's intertangled uh, with, the, with the spiritual realm. I, I love the intertangled kind of thing. Uh, that that, that uh, the hope we have certainly involves this life and this situation. Uh, but but it, it's more than, than that. It's, it's bigger than that. There's eternal hope. There's more going on than simply our present situation. And so I've kind of said it like this. Uh, living hope exists in this world but it's not subject to the rules of this world. It, it, it's bigger than that. Uh, in fact, living hope is endowed with resurrection power. It, it has it in it. It's a part of who it is. It is made possible. It's not tentative at all, but it's hope empowered by the resurrection. How can anything be empowered by the resurrection be tentative? It, it, it's alive and powerful, and, and nothing can resist the power of the resurrection. It's, it's the most powerful thing in the history of the world, the most amazing thing in the history of the world. It's the greatest power the world has ever known because it actually defeats death. It, it destroys it. it. It makes new creation for us and washes away our, our sin. It is the single most powerful thing in the world. And this living hope, this soze, uh, 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 zoe life, uh, has, has resurrection power uh, in it and is a part of it. And so Christian hope is spiritually alive, enormously powerful, and life-changing way to live. Uh, it, you are never the same again once you experience Christ in your life. It, it, you, you can't be the same way again. Uh, it, it's bigger than the move from wagon trains to jets. It's, it's just so powerful, that same power. Uh, in fact, there's a song we sing that, that I can't remember exactly the lines, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And, and I love that. The same power, that same resurrection power is made possible to live in us. You have great, great spiritual power, much more so than you ever realized because because you have the living hope in you that is Jesus Christ. And so living hope is how we live in a spiritually dying world. It's the way we survive. It's what gives us life. It's what gives us hope. It's what gives us hope to bring to, to other people. We Christians, we're weird because we've read the end of the book and God wins. And, and we believe that God is with us in, in the midst of the struggles and in the midst of the hard stuff and, and, and all of that. We have a living 
hope empowered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't get you excited, your wood's wet. Something's, something's gone there. So um, I want to uh, come to the next couple of verses in this, okay? Uh, because it doesn't end with just a, the, this living hope. Hope isn't just how you live in the world. Hope is also a promise of the life to come. It is a, a, a down payment. Uh, and verses uh, 4 through 6 uh, say this, And into an inheritance, after he's talked about this living hope, that can never perish, okay, inheritance is a family word, right? It's something that's passed down to generations, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So that's a description of it. We'll talk about that. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. And so uh, salvation there, the word for salvation is sozo. And, and it, it implies the idea, it literally means to rescue something, right? That, that we will not live in this broken world forever. We will be rescued to, to something better. Uh, so, th- so there's this really cool idea that with these two things now. We are saved in this world. God does a change in us. He makes us a new creation. He lets us live in, in a new way. And we're in a fallen, broken world but we live with hope and we share hope because of that. But then in addition to that, uh, we are saved in the world. We are also saved from the world. At the, at the end of time, God is going to make it all right. That death doesn't get the final word. And so it, it's a powerful idea. And then it kind of gives this description in there with these words. Imperishable. The, the Greek word means indestructible. <laughs> cool. Your salvation is indestructible. Uh, never decays. I- immortal. Those are all those sorts of things. And then a spoil means, uh, the, the word means un- untainted. Uh, well, spoil means tainted, but if it's not going to do it, it's untainted. It's unstained. It's pure. It never fades. Not only can you not destroy it, you can't even take the shine off of it, okay? And, and then kept uh, it is, is a word that means guarded. Uh, in fact, it, it's actually a word that's used to... to um, Help hold someone in custody, right? And, and so God's got custody of your salvation. And I just kind of picture this, this giant angel standing there with a, with a, a flaming sword watching over your, your salvation and your promise uh, of eternal life, guarding, uh, keeping your eternal inheritance. And it even gets stronger if you jump down further into verse 6. It talks about shielded, and that word actually means guarded by a military guard. Uh, And so I I think the Apostle Paul uh, really grasped this in in Romans. And I want to read to you um, a passage from Romans that he wrote that that really speaks uh, to this, I think, in some powerful kinds of ways. It's found in Romans 8. I sometimes use it as a benediction. Uh, And and remember, um, anything that the Apostle Paul wrote is written in the context of someone who had been beaten many times, had been whipped, had been stoned, had been shipwrecked, had been starved, had been left in the cold. He He had a really, really, really difficult life. Uh, And that man is the man that wrote these words, Romans 8, 35, and 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's a question. Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? And he had experienced all of those, so he's talking right out of his own experience. As it is written... For your sake, we face death all day long. Yay! We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Uh, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's why he did it. For I am convinced, having gone through all that he's gone through, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future 
nor COVID-19, oh, that's not in there, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, which includes viruses, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so here's what he's saying. Hope lives because Christ lives. Our hope is in the one and only living God. There are all kinds of God's small g. All, we make gods out of things that, that we kind of get hung up, get between us and God. Anything that begets between you and the living God is a false god. It's, it's an idol. It's a God's small g. And it's not alive. It doesn't live because there's only one God. And that God is a, is a living God. And not even death can, can scratch that salvation that we have, that he has conquered that in Christ. He, he conquered death. He destroyed it uh, forever. And I, I just, I just kind of, that's just such an important point. He didn't just kind of put it in its cage. He killed it. Christ's salvation killed death. Uh, and and uh, you, you, can, you can reject that salvation. Uh, you can ignore it. You can pretend it doesn't exist. But you can never, ever defeat it. Uh, you just cannot. It exists no matter what. And it is offered to us. In fact, there's... Um, an old, old song. I've been listening to old songs, I guess, lately, going back to my, my uh, teenage years, uh, by, by uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither. Uh, and, and I think the words are just really powerful. It, it says this, uh, the chorus, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Can you testify to that? Because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Let me say that again because I, I, this is just powerful stuff. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Not because you have strength, but because he lives. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Again, not because I can defeat the fear or defeat what I'm afraid of, but because the resurrection has. Because I know he holds your future and my future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. And so living hope is this wonderful thing that comes to us through the resurrection. And living hope is a dynamic hope as opposed to, to a, a, a dead hope, if you will. It's personal that, that, that Christ connects right where you are. It's not just that there's this kind of giant thing and you just apply it to everybody and, and that's it. Everybody gets exactly the same sort of thing. Uh, you know, um, the, the old law, the old covenant, the old hope, everybody had the same rules and the same thing and you had to do these things. You had to follow it and it, it and the new hope is is made powered by the holy spirit by the resurrection and then made personal by the the holy spirit uh it's this idea that god speaks directly into your situation into my situation and, and he gives light to people he doesn't necessarily give the same light to everybody some people uh, god gives light in one area and and maybe not in another and someone else in another area but maybe not in the same area as this sort of person and and so it, within within the body of christ in our, in our hope. There are things that are off limits for me that aren't off limits for others. There are things that are, you know, um, that are off limits for them that, that aren't off limits for me. And it, it just, it's different people in different situations. You have this hope where God supplies for you this personal thing. And so I, I want you to know <laughs> the power of the resurrection is available to you personally. God knows your situation. He knows your struggles. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows what is the dangers in your life. And he is here for you with his power. The truth of the matter is, living things respond to the environment around them, as does a living hope. 
and that God has provided for you as well as for me. And then living hope is relational hope. I love the language of the new birth, the, the living hope, and the parent-child relationship, and the, the inheritance, and, and all of that. Uh, all through the Bible, you'll find this relational kinds of language, that, that, that God isn't a God who is far off, that God is a God who is close, that God loves you more than you love your children. Uh, and that's hard for people to get a hold of. We love our children a lot. We get that. Sometimes understanding how much God loves us. And, and, and so uh, how you would respond to your children, God would respond to you the, the best parts. Okay, we all have those days where it's like, yeah, but, but, but that, that he loves you like that. And the old hope wasn't like that. The old hope wasn't relational. It was just rules. But in Jesus Christ, uh, the God of creation, the living God, is the God who is near to you and meets you where you are. You see, hope flows out of dynamic relationship with him, connectedness uh, to him. Um, and then um, uh, we lose hope, as the other part of this, we lose hope when we focus on the problem rather than on Jesus. And this is where I think the relational part comes in really well. It's, it's like a, a child with a, with a parent. So, so long as the parent is there, they're pretty brave, you know. And so long as dad's got you, it, it's okay, you know. But all of a sudden, if the parent is around, they become very fearful. Why? Because they know it's dangerous for them uh, to be in that kind of a situation. It's kind of instinctive with us. And I would offer that that same sort of thing is instinctive with, and instinctive with us spiritually. When you're in relationship with God, when you know that he's got this, when you know that he loves you and that he's for you and the Holy Spirit is there, uh, you, you, there's courage that's part of it. The, the fear goes away because love <laughs> conquers fear. And, 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 but when you're not in relationship with God, you don't have the hope. You instinctively know it, it's dangerous. And the devil is always trying to, to get us off our focus on, on God and focus on what is wrong in our lives. And this is where even Christians struggle sometimes because he focuses us away for this. So, oh, this could go wrong and that could go wrong and what if and maybe. And, and so there's kind of a process just I have learned in my spiritual walk. Number one, first he distracts us in some ways. You just get busy, you know. And, and then he kind of discourages us and we begin to feel it. And then he divides us from the source of hope and we stop focusing and, and all of a sudden we're fear bound. And there, there's another old song I like. It's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Keep your focus on Christ through all of this. And so here's what I know that I know that I know, and if you want the absolute point, Jesus brings hope with him. He, in order to have the hope that Christ, Christ gives, he, it comes with Jesus. They come together. It is because of Jesus in your life. You, you don't have the living hope unless you are in relationship with Jesus. And, and so I, I want to say to you, if, if you're living without hope, if you don't have that, let Christ into your life this morning. Uh, and, and not just a little, but, but all. Let him take control. A part of the problem is sometimes a relationship with God is just kind of another thing in our life. You know, we got work, we got family, we got Jesus, we got, you know, and, and that's not what he intended. It, it is that he would let him completely in and take over your life. Full control of everything. And when he has full control, there is living hope in our experience 
and the way we live. And I remember the old time preachers used to talk about this and they used to talk about sometimes you let God into your, your living room and, and that's okay, but you're not letting him into the kitchen, you know. And, okay, I'm going to let him into the kitchen, you know. Okay, now you see the kitchen. Ah, oh, I don't know if I want to let him into the den because that's kind of, you know, so you let him into the den and he's cleaning things up as you go, you know. And then you know, if, fi finally you get to, to the very back of the house in the closet. It's like, I don't want him to see that closet, but eventually open the closet. And then, then you know, he, he kind of points up to the top and up in the top in the back buried under all the extra blankets there's a box and it's the one last thing you're holding out on Christ it, it can be different things for different people for for some people it, it's some secret sin for for some people it's it's a relationship or or it's money or some symbol of the past life or what whatever it is whatever it is and you finally open that and you let him come into there and that's when you experience the living hope we have in Christ. And so um, we're going to sing a great worship song in just a minute. Um, it, it's, um, it's called, um, what is it called? I forgot what it's called. Uh, the Living Hope. No, you'd think I'd remember that. Uh, and it's a powerful song. And as, as we sing that, uh, if you don't know this hope, maybe you're religious, but if you don't know this hope, would you just talk with God for a little bit? Ask him to come in. Ask him to take over your life. Let him take control. Forgive your past. Uh, and you can become a follower of him. And he will give you hope like you've never experienced in your life before. And so I encourage you. I implore you. Experience the living hope that the living God gives to you. Let's sing together.